Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and on this week's episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast, we're going to be talking about the double standard that often exists in parenting and how to be take a really like close, vulnerable look at it, recognize when we are living in a double standard with our kids, and how to shift out of it. And to help me with this conversation, I have Blamey Heller of Unconditional Parenting, one of my favorite accounts on Instagram. Blamey, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do, and then we'll dive into this double standard conversation. Yes. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here with you. The feeling is mutual. By the way, I was following you. Now that you say this, it reminds me before on Facebook, before I even had an account, I remember coming across your stuff and found it really, really helpful. Oh, believe me. That's so sweet. Oh my gosh. I just remembered now. Yes. Oh gosh, okay. That's really good because I admire you so much. And oh, you're thank so you. Much. Yeah. Look oh at that. God. Yeah. Look okay. at that. Look at the power yeah. of sharing our, you know, what we're passionate about. You never know who it can impact, right? Right. And you know, it's I gotta tell you, it is we were talking about this a little bit before we press record, but it is really nice to find colleagues. I find sometimes online work to be incredibly lonely. Having come from academia where I could walk down the hallway and, you know, discuss things with like-minded people anytime, it's, it can be lonely. So it's, I'm just really glad to be sitting down and having just a cozy chat with you on a topic that is really important to parents. Yes, I'm excited to do the same. So yeah, so I'm a mom And throughout my own journey with parenting, I actually came across, and it wasn't an accident. I was actually actively looking for like, help me with my parenting. I actually came across accounts like yours. Um, Initially, the first one was like Rebecca Ian's and L.R. Nost, who are, you know, their work is well known. Yes. And that led me into a lot of exploration, you know, and digging deep into like the theories of attachment and all these different things that I had never really learned before. And that really helped me shift my parenting. And I became very passionate about it. I was like, people need to know this and hear this. And so this is what I do. I share my message with the world and I coach parents and educate them so that they can learn to, like you said, integrate these kinds of ideas into their home. I love that. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to be on this mission, this shared mission of 
changing the world one family at a time through parenting practices. It's a good, important mission to be on. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that way. I feel blessed to be doing it. Me too. So honored. Hey, Balanced Parents. What if I told you that you never had to experience the shame and guilt of yelling at your kids ever again? Now, I'm not saying that you'll never lose your cool again or that you're going to magically turn into a perfect mother, father, or caregiver. That's not real. It's truly impossible. You're human, you're imperfect, and you're going to make mistakes. But I can help you understand why you lose your cool and know what to do so that it happens less and less. And I can help you let go of blame and shame and guilt that are only keeping you stuck in your own patterns. And I can also teach you how to get the pause so that you can respond consciously rather than react. Now, what I'm about to invite you to is only three days. And this work, as I'm sure you know, takes more than three days, but it's a good place to start. So I'd love to invite you to my reactivity to responsiveness challenge that's coming up at the end of September. You can get in and join right now by going to www.laurafroyan.com reactivity, or just click the link that's in the show notes for this episode. Again, This is not gonna solve all your problems, but it is gonna give you some really powerful tools and a way, a method for working through your triggers and releasing them. I hope you'll join me. Check it out at laurafryan.com slash reactivity. See you there. Okay, so we're talking about the kind of the double standard that can exist in parenting. Will you get like, tell us kind of what that means? You know, because. I know what it means for me, but what does that mean for you when you think about that? Yeah, well, there's so many different meanings, honestly, but I'm going to take the ones that are probably mo- I get that I get most fired up about and the ones that are, I think, least obvious in our society. So there is this idea that in order to parent your child, to guide them, lead them and do whatever you need to do, you are you as a parent are allowed to or are supposed to even use certain tactics that if your child used them you would be horrified for example yes yeah for example punishments i am told by society that or maybe it's changing slowly but i definitely used to be told by society that i need to punish my children lest they do not learn yeah right their lesson but if my child would punish their sibling for doing something or their friend i'd be like you are so vengeful. Why would you ever do that? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's such a double standard. Wait, so hold on. When my child does it, it seems so vengeful. It seems like revenge. But when I do it, it's okay. Then there's the other one, talk right, that we mentioned before. a confusing before. message, though. Like, just what a confusing message to send to kids. That it's not okay when you do it, but it's okay for a grown-up to do it. Exactly. So it's might makes right. Like what changes that? Right. Now, some people think some parents believe that what changes that is that I'm the parent. So that just automatically changes my status because we're not equal. I have a different role than you do. I like to say we are equal. We just have different roles. But simply because you have a different role, that doesn't make it okay for you to do things that you wouldn't consider okay for anybody else to be doing in any different capacity, you know. Another example, the one that you mentioned before, was manipulation, right? So in order to get a child's cooperation, sometimes we'll use threats. If you don't do this, then I will do that, mm-hmm. right? Very conditioning, conditional, kind of like, I will only do this for you if you do that. If an adult does that, 
if our child would even do that to their friend, if we listened to them and said like, well, I'm only going to do that for you if you do this for me, we would be like, no, 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 no. That's manipulation. Don't manipulate, no, don't manipulate them. Let them choose, make a choice. Right. So, and, and if they did it as an adult, that's definitely like, it's borderline abusive, right? Yeah, not borderline, it definitely is for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Like in a, in a romantic relationship, it's just not something that you can do. So why is it okay for us to do it? But it is, it's accepted. It's a norm, you know? And so there's so many things here. It's like, right. Like how do you expect your child not to do it if you're doing it? Also, we talk so much. I had this realization, you know, somewhere along my journey that we talk so much about teaching our children about the red flags of an unsafe person. Yeah. Especially, right. Like don't, if somebody ever threatens you, that's, that's unsafe. If somebody, right. Especially in adulthood, like when they're looking for romantic partners and we'll teach them these kinds of things, but I often marvel. I'm like, your words wonderful. I'm so happy you're trying to teach your children, but they only go so far. If your child's experience has been that a loving person or somebody who loves me threatens me, right? Or takes away things that I like if I don't do what they want. The things that I like, then this is their experience of love. Why would they recognize it as a red flag? Right. Why would it not seem somewhat normal or okay to them? And what's amazing about this from like an attachment perspective, right? So when we think yeah. about oftentimes when parenting people are talking about attachment, we're talking about parent-child attachment. But there's this whole other field called adult attachment, right? What is beautiful about this process, well, not really beautiful, I guess it's kind of scary, is that the what feels familiar, even if we can identify that wasn't right, what my parents did to me wasn't right, the way that these interactions weren't healthy, even if we can overtly and consciously say, like, this is not what I want, we subconsciously and unconsciously seek the familiar. And so we seek a love as adults that feels familiar to how we were raised. And so that's how we unconsciously end up with our married to our parents. You know, lots of us can say like, oh yeah, my husband is so much like my mom. At least that's the pattern in my, in my, you know, my little family. Yeah. I think for most people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So then if we're like, if we're noticing some of these kind of mm, incongruencies, this kind of do as I say, not as I do practice, um, we're pointing them out here, but there there's more. I mean, obviously I think the biggest like low hanging fruit one is hitting. So the kind of the mainstream parenting advice is if your kid is hitting their sibling, they need a spanking, which just does, you know, hitting is bad. So hit, it just doesn't make logical sense, right? But I think some of the more nuanced ones, I think are really important to dig into. And not even like the overt threats, those like the if then statements, I think we can all say that, you know, that those don't always feel great. We kind of know when we're saying them like, I wasn't quite right, you know, like, ooh, I'm you know, I don't know if you, I still make those mistakes in my own parenting. Like, so I don't know if you, they still kind of tumble out of your mouth at times. And then you're like, oh, shoot, got to go back and redo that. You know, what's interesting. I had that for a very long time, but I I can say that at this point, I probably mostly don't do that, but I, they've definitely tumbled out of my mouth many times along, along the journey. Yes, for sure. They, they tend to come out of my, my partner's mouth more now than than they do out of mine, but for sure when my kids were younger. What about some more, like just kind of the, 
even the more benign situations. Like there's even times where like my oldest daughter, you know, being playful with my youngest daughter who is maybe having trouble doing something and we're being playful to make it easier. And my youngest daughter and I have a kind of an agreement that when things are hard, I invite her into playfulness to make it easier for her. That's something that's been a conscious discussion for her and me. But my older daughter looks at it and sees it as manipulative. And she will say, Evie, don't you know mommy's just trying to get you to do this thing? And Ev then Evie will say things like, I know she is, she's helping me. You know, so at, like my one daughter's mindset about the playfulness is completely different than the older ones. And so I don't use older, like playfulness with the older one because she feels manipulated during it. And so I'm kind of curious if you can dig into some of that nuance that comes up for parents because my listeners, they, are, they believe in positive discipline. They believe in, you know, conscious parenting. I um, mean, so they've been working on this for a long time, but can we talk about some of like the sneaky stuff that creeps in? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, but even just based on what you're saying, first of all, I love this about what you're saying about playfulness because it definitely can be a form of manipulation. It, oh, it really sure. depends. Yeah. It really depends uh, where it's coming from, what your intention is and how your child perceives it. Like you said. And that's not trying to scare you away from being playful. I, I, I grappled with the playfulness thing a lot early on in my parenting journey because it felt disrespectful. It felt like manipulation. It felt like, you know, like almost like distraction kind of. So I had to really grapple with that a lot on thinking about like, am I using this to get someone to do something that I want? Am I getting this in order to regain the upper hand? Am I using playfulness in an attempt to control my child? Or am I using playfulness because this is my child's language that she's speaking right now? Am I using playfulness to connect with her and connecting makes things easier? I think the intention behind what we're Correct. doing is so important, you know? Yeah, it's so important, right? Because I use playfulness, like you said, to connect and to build a bridge, to kind of be like, I know that this like is sort of so, like it's not, it's, it's, it's you're not interested in doing this, but if there was, it was, I added an element of play to it, yeah. It would become more interesting and exciting for you the same way it would be for me as well, you mm -hmm. know? So yeah, but the intention matters so much. Like you said, if you're just doing it to get compliance or to gain the upper hand, then that's definitely a form of manipulation, right? That's such a good point. I love that you mentioned that. Okay. So first of all, there's also in this area of like manipulation, there's things that are much more subtle, like saying, and this is, I used to do this. So I didn't do the if then. Mm-hmm. If, when, when you do this, then we'll do that. And again, I think that you've definitely, I for sure say these lines right now without even realizing, but my intention is just like to, the same way I would say it to my spouse, like, oh, when we do that, then let's do this, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But with my children was, my intention was to manipulate them, to sort of get things to happen or to work a certain way. So I would say like, when you're done you know, uh, doing your homework, then we can play or, or whatever. Right. When you're done washing your hands, then we can have this yummy supper I've made for you, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Now, again, sometimes we might just phrase it that way and we have no intention to manipulate. Right. Like and I like to tell, yeah. Let's talk about this intention. I'm so glad we're getting there because like that phrase, like when you've washed your hands, you can sit down and have dinner. Like sometimes kids want to be in the know too. Like yeah. They, yeah. they need to know what's coming next. They need to know the rhythm and the pattern of the way we do things. So it's, it's the intention really Correct. that needs to, that we need to sit with on it. 
Correct. Exactly. And be honest with ourselves about what it is, you know, and I actually, the way I like to check my intention is I ask myself, what would happen if my child would say, no, I don't want to do it that way. Mm. Would I be open and say, "Hmm, okay, how would you like to do it? And we can have a conversation or would I be like, no, it needs to be done this way. (laughs) Right. Right. Oh, and so then when we do that self check and we're realizing like, oof, I was trying to control the situation or oof, you know, I wouldn't be so open to them negotiating with me right now. What do we do? What's like, what's the next line, you know, the next step in the, in the process. In the process. Yeah. So I think that if that, if you recognize that like, oh my gosh, I really am looking for this, then probably what I would do is I like to take a breather because usually if I'm very stuck on like, I need my child to listen to me right now, or like, then I, it's usually that I'm in this space where I am stuck. Mm. I'm stuck. Either I'm feeling very frustrated. That's why I'm stuck or I'm feeling something's going on for me. And that's why I'm stuck in this place where I can't be open enough to invite my children into a collaboration with me. So I usually like to focus inward, you know, take a few moments for myself and just breathe in and out and just remind myself like, this is not an emergency. It's okay. I can count on my children to work with me. I can count on myself to work with my children. We can do this. We've done this before kind of that and things to get myself into different space. And usually I'll feel my body shift. Like I'll feel the tension that was inside, like that uptightness mm-hmm. sort of release. And then usually then I'm in a different space, you know? Yeah, I know. I totally know that kind of that relaxing and loosening up. This makes me think of another way that we are having enact double standards on our kids. We all want our kids to be super flexible Um, we are so rigid rigid with like no do it now do it my way you know like it's and but we want our kids to be flexible we I mean I know people say that all the time you just need to be flexible you know oh you don't oh my gosh do you know Laura that on my journey to parent this way (laughs) one of the biggest things I learned about myself when I started collaborating with my children was just how rigid I am that's when I realized I was like wow, like I am busy trying to get my child to change their strategy for doing something. Well, I'm insisting on mine. Like, how does that make any sense? Right. I'm just like, stop being so rigid and change your, like, be willing to do it my way, but I'm being rigid. Yeah. You know? I know it's like, there, there's this, like, this mirroring process that our kids invite us to do so beautifully. They just hold it up and show us like all the things that we have where we have work to do, don't they? They really, really do. Yeah. That's such, that's a real, really good one, by the way, because I really think one of them, we don't even realize how rigid we are as parents. And I don't consider myself a rigid person. So, and if, if I could have been as rigid as I was, and I still am sometimes like we're rigid as parents, Yeah, you know, we have, and I think it's conditioning. Like that totally conditioning. It's totally like what we learned we needed to like how things I think that so many of us are like a carefully constructed Jenga tower where we've been spending our lives building this Jenga playing Jenga kind of with ourselves and it's all very balanced and and we're very anxious about like nobody can put a block out of place because then it's all going to tumble down and we won't be worthy. We won't be lovable. Like we've spent our whole lives figuring out 
you know, parsing together how exactly we need to present to the world and show up in the world in order to be lovable and acceptable and, and worthy and enough, you know? And so then when our kids come at us and show us these things and start doing all the things that we were told years ago that we're not okay, that weren't lovable and and they start reflecting that to us it, it can be very like anxiety provoking and i don't know about you but when i'm anxious control is where i go you know and we have to oh yeah this very like delicate balance you know there's a lot of you know very real drive within us to i mean this is a human thing being accepted and loved and belonging is one of our deepest, most human and primal drives. And so it makes sense that parents get really, that we get really just kind of caught up in like making sure we're okay and our kids are okay. And when we do that though, it often takes us way off the path that we want to be on for our parenting. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I also think another aspect of this with when that ties back to conditioning and this is actually I was just looking through like an episode of super nanny because I was trying to find a clip to post on Instagram to to do a little cute game about like guess the feeling and the need and in there I see super nanny telling the mother like your child needs to listen to you You know why because you need respect if they don't respect you they're not going to respect anybody else and I was like wow wow, it's fascinating. So, so we're taught that if your child doesn't comply with you, with your, your demand or what you said, then they don't respect you. And so I think that's also conditioning that we have, you know, and that's why we can get so rigid as well. Cause it's like, if you don't listen to what I said, then, then you're obviously not respecting me. Oh my God. I feel like I could talk about what we mean by respect for <sighs> ages. <laughs> Oh, yes. Right. Listening to her, I realized I was like, wow, what did we do to the word respect? What is it that people mean when we say kids need to learn to respect something? They need to learn to respect their teacher, respect their parent, respect the rules. What what do you think it is that we mean when we're saying that? Mm, Yeah, I think that when we say that in society, I think it really means children need to learn to comply. Yeah, they need to. That's really what I think it means. Conform. Conform. Yeah. 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 And what is it? What is the story that we're telling ourselves when we worry our kids don't respect us? Um, what is what is it that's what does that mean for us? You know, what is it? Yeah. Well, what what we're what we're told and like what was what I saw in the episode is like she said your kids are just not going to listen they're going to grow up to think that they can just do whatever they want and not listen to anybody and basically end up a prisoner in jail or something. I don't know. I don't know if she went that far, but that's usually we're where failing. most people go. Yeah. It means we're failing <laughs> at this most important job or yeah, I don't know. That I, That's a big one. That's so I, you know, I work a lot with couples where one parent is you know, all in on positive parenting and the other person is skeptical. And a lot of times the skeptical parent is very concerned with this idea of respect. So we spend a lot of time helping them craft a definition of express or respect that is meaningful to them as a family. But it's, it's a curious thing, isn't it? The, the idea of respect and the idea that respect isn't given, it's earned. That's another double standard. So, right. So we, we think that kids need that kids need to earn our respect, but it should just be given to us freely from them. Do you know what I mean? That's another double standard. (laughs) 
completely is right exactly it's like you must respect me no matter what but I you're the other way around it has to be earned right I'll only respect you under these certain conditions all these double standards it's it's interesting to think about these things. I think another thing that helps me find double standards in my parenting is asking myself how I would feel if that was being done to me or how I, if, if I would ever say the thing to an adult, right? So that's what I often, like those are my two big check it, checkpoints. And I think that parents, you know, realize when they've been using too many if thens or threats or those types of things be when the kids come back with that, you know with them I'm not cleaning my room until you let me you know watch Ooh, a TV yes show, you know yes and this is what happened to me my child would literally be like well if you don't do that then I'm not going to do that and I was like what is happening you know first I was obviously very unconscious and I was like you don't say that to me <laughs> yeah and then I was like wait but why is she saying this to me you know, and then I started a ground rule in the house. Nobody does that. I don't do it to you. You don't do it to me. No one does that anymore. And guess what? It stopped after a while because I actually, oh no, you know how I, guess what? I was totally unconscious. I told my daughter, you don't do that. She goes, but why do you do that to me? Oh, good That's actually her. what got me thinking. Yes. Good for her is right. Oh, she has taught me so much. <laughs> and yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I, I don't even think I came to a realization on my own. She actually pointed it out to me and I was like, you know what? And this needs to be a rule for everyone. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. Like, I think that parents are scared to invite their children to hold them accountable. But they're one of our best partners in learning how to be a more conscious, intentional, and peaceful parent. Because they know what respect feels like. And they know when they don't feel respected. And so... I think we have to get used to this idea that they might not be that great in delivery of that feedback, you know, that, you know, some skill and softness and that type of thing that will come with time and with, you know, learning new social skills and, and, you know, maturity. And being modeled it. Yeah. By you. Modeled, yes. yes, How to give, you know, appropriate feedback. But I really like it when my kids give me that feedback. Mom, it didn't feel good to me when you said it that way. You know, I didn't like the tone of your voice. It made it feel like I had done something wrong. You know, when they give me that feedback, it's good. It's good growth. You know, it's good. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. Like how else would I know? I, you know, they really help me. Yeah, they really do. I think we shouldn't be afraid of that. I think, and I think people are, I think People are, um, and this is not to say to give them the responsibility of like making us better parents. We don't want to do that. We have to give them the chance. We have to be open to feedback. You know, this is a job. Like what other job do you not get feedback on? You'd always get, right? That's that's so true. Yeah, exactly. Like wherever you work, you get feedback. That's, that's really a really good point. I like that a lot. Yeah. 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 So actually another double standard. I actually have them here for my posts. So I was looking at them. Oh, I have so many good, good ones here. So, and this was also a realization of mine that I had that when we lash out at our child in whichever way we do, like either by just being aggressive or yelling or, or just in some way that we're losing it, sort of not being conscious and respectful, we're, we're modeling, modeling the same impulsivity that, that they, we find so intolerable in our children. Like, we'll, like I used to tell my child, like, even if you're so angry, you cannot be, you cannot do that. You cannot be that impulsive. <laughs> and then I would turn around and be that impulsive. Yeah. Or perhaps even as you were saying that you were yourself were being impulsive. In that very moment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
I mean, isn't it quite like, wouldn't it be quite nice if we could just all live in a family where we get to be human and make mistakes, right? And so here's like, the thing is, I think that there's with this example in particular, the impulsivity is not the bad thing. It's the unconscious double standard. That's the bad thing. We all have times where we are, have unconscious moments. We all have times where we, we lose our cool. We get triggered. We get overwhelmed. It's we're human, right? It's the double standard. That's the problem. If we are allowed to have the grace, yeah, to be human, shouldn't our kids, right? Exactly. Yes. I love that you mentioned that because we are human. Although, even though I think that we, as parents, we probably, it would benefit us and our children to actively work on. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. To work on that. Right. Meaning like, I like the, I like the balance of grace plus accountability. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Meaning like, of course, like not to beat ourselves up and be like, I'm a terrible parent because I lost, you know, I lost it. It happens to every parent, no matter what, for as long as they live. But I have found in my journey that my, the reactions when I feel impulsive have changed. Right. So Mm -hmm. They can become, they can go, and I know other parents, it can go from hitting to now simply getting a little bit like louder or right. That's progress. That's number one. And also there are, there are ways to learn to notice, start noticing when you're starting, when you're feeling something, be a little bit more aware of what's happening in your body and, 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 and right. And taking the time to, which I've also learned to do that a lot more. Right. Intervene sooner. Right. And another, yes. that's a tuning in process that takes time and it, yes. you know, it takes longer for some parents to learn these things than, than others. You know, I've always admired the parents who can like read a couple books, listen to some Janet Lansbury and be like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. And they're, they're like out the door and on their way. And, and I think that that's wonderful. But I think the reality is for, for many parents, myself included, that it is, it's much harder than that. There, for me, I had to unlearn quite a lot. I have some significant traumas in my past and I've had to really work through them in order to be able to parent consciously. My default is not being respectful. My default is being controlling and authoritarian. Um, you know, I have had to work really hard at it and it's an ongoing process for me. Like each new developmental stage that my kids reach is a new, like there's new stuff to learn. There's new triggers that I didn't know were there, you know, because they weren't pushing the button. You know, our kids are, this is something that I I really feel strongly about. Our kids are really good at showing us where our buttons are. And then we try to focus on, on the button pusher, right? We try to change the person who's pushing the button when we really need to be focusing on the button ourselves, you know? Yes. And it's a mistake, I think, too, to try to hide our buttons or to try to pretend our buttons aren't there and like white knuckle through the button pushing. Yes. Versus really yes. like taking a look at the button and and healing the button that's getting pushed by whatever is happening yeah. outside of us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that. I think I, for my assumption is that the parents who can just read those books and then adopt them probably were raised in fairly healthy environments, meaning that like you said, there's not like a lot of trauma or heavy conditioning in the other direction that it's probably like, oh, okay. Whereas those of us who do have trauma or are raised in such a different environment, like the conditioning is so strong that it does. Yeah. It's, it, it does take a lot of work. Yes. I've definitely also had to do a lot of healing and, and I'm still learning. And as you've said, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah, I never want anybody to get the impression that I'm a perfect mom who never makes mistakes. Oh, neither do I. I think that is one of my biggest fears, was one of my biggest fears going into this, is that people would put me on a pedestal because I share this information. So obviously I don't do the stuff that I talk about. Well, it's really tricky too, though, because we, as respectful parents, we don't want to break our kids' confidentiality at the same time. And so it, I do struggle with that at times, but sharing about my struggles because there's another person, a whole being with who will eventually have a digital presence and who should have a say in, in what happens with, with it. And so if there is ever anything that comes up, I always, you know, that I do share, it's always because I've asked for permission to share and that I won't share details, you know, blah, blah, blah. And most of the time, the hardest times, the times where it's been the most difficult, I don't get that consent to share because they have a right to privacy and they don't want it shared and that's okay. I don't, so that, that is something that I worry about though, that people will think like, it just must be so easy for me. And it is, it is not, it's just part of respectful parenting is respecting the child's privacy too, you know? I, I am in complete agreement with that. Yeah. I don't either share unless I get permission and I don't share videos of them or anything either without, I mean, I never do anyway, but without asking them if it's okay with them. Right. And I've often told my husband, like, I wish in a way that I can have a camera in my home for people to see what I parent like for two reasons. Number one, to see what respectful parenting is, what it looks like, mm-hmm. right? And what I'm actually talking about. And then also to see just how human I am and how much I make mistakes and fumble and right. Yeah. And so, yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. What? Yes. 100%. Yeah, it's I think it's really important that folks know know that about the experts. I was at a talk once with a very big peaceful parenting expert and someone asked if she'd ever yelled at her kids and her answer was no. And I was like, "What? Like you never really? lost your cool with your kids?" I just didn't believe it. <laughs> I just don't believe it. I would So I'd- I'll tell you, yeah, so it's interesting because I I actually have read and I'm sure you also have read about like people like their trauma responses and some when people say they've never yelled I often think that they probably have done things so they probably do the dissociation more yeah so meaning right so some of us go into fight or flight we're the ones who yell more and do the more like aggressive kind of thing whereas people who go into like shutdown ready to dissociate so it could be a parent like that doesn't really yell but they emotionally disconnect and sort of like it could be kind of like, yeah, I don't think the wording was yell. I think it was like made a mistake or did, you know, no, don't. <laughs> that's not true. Oh, if anybody told really? you that, true. <laughs> Wait, why would somebody say that? This is interesting. I don't know. That would be an interesting thing to explore. I mean, we all I have don't... vulnerabilities, right? We all have things we want to project and I don't know. Yeah, don't that's know. just true. It's, yeah, it's and not to like, I mean, that, that was a human moment for that person too. You know, maybe they felt put on the spot. Maybe they didn't feel safe to share, you know, at that point in time too. Um, I'm sure I love that compassion for them as well. That's, that's really important. I really, really appreciate when we have compassion for everyone, like on my own journey with this, I've realized that sometimes I like demonize people in my mind, like why did that parent do that or whatever it is. And I've realized that all of us, 
Mm. human and, and, and trying and we all need compassion you know and so to see everybody from that lens is so yeah. so helpful yeah you know compassion is a is a key part of all of my courses all of my coursework has compassion as a as a like a founding cornerstone because i i really think it does not feel safe to make change until we can be compassionate with ourselves and others and i i think we can't ever hope to really embody respectful and conscious kind parenting while we're still enacting all of the same scripts the faulty scripts all of the you know the default parenting the the judgment the blame the shame the guilt the threats and punishments if we're still using those inside it just makes it so much harder to change those neural pathways because we're still firing them all the time when we talk to ourselves you know it's just i think Mm. the most important thing you can do as a parent speaking on this when i first started my journey i was very judgmental of any parent who would like do things that i wouldn't do you know Mm very judgmental, but I was still very respectful to my children. Right. I was still doing that. But then, like you said, it's true. Somewhere along the journey, you get to a point where you're just, it doesn't jive anymore. It doesn't work. Like if you're really, really, really evolving and growing in this direction, eventually you you have to address the stuff inside as well. Yeah. It well, It's like an anchor that holds you back. It's like this carrot. You're trying to do this really hard work, climbing up a mountain while holding a backpack filled with all the weight of judgment and blame and shame. It's, it makes it a lot harder, like releasing it, emptying that backpack out can free you up and make it so much easier. I, yeah. And I also feel so much more in alignment with who I want to be. Like I've always wanted to be compatible, like underneath it all I want to, and the judgment feels so out of alignment with my highest self, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good no, on some it level. Yeah. Doesn't. And I, I don't know about you, but I feel like when I, you know, when I feel judgment towards others, there's often some vulnerability or fear within me that I'm, I don't know, protecting myself from or attempting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. I often say when I am judging, it's because I feel scared usually. Yeah. I'm feeling afraid. Yeah. Mm. This, it, exactly. There's like deep vulnerability that we're so afraid of either seeing or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm so with you on that. I love that. So that there, there goes that compassion for ourselves as well. Instead of being like, oh, why am I being so judgmental? Yeah, exactly. And this is like this, I feel, you know, so I, I feel we're, we are wrapping up this conversation about double standards, but there's another one. We would never want our kids to talk to themselves and have the self-talk that we often have in our own heads, you know, and, and so the double standards doesn't just harm our kids, it harms us too, you know, so when we, we have that double standard of you have to be kind and compassionate in your own head. No, of course, you can build Legos beautifully, of course, you know, when a five year old is struggling to draw, you know, you're a beautiful drawer, I love your art. And we can't like, we can't tolerate any of their self criticism or negative inner voices. And at the same time, they're alive and well within us, and we aren't working on them, you know, there's just- Ooh, yeah. Yes, I like that so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good one. And it's modeling. You know, it's all it's all modeling. Um oh yeah. I could talk about self-compassion for days. Yeah, I love that. I actually yes, I actually would love to have a conversation with you on that. But anyway, I actually thought of another one of another double standard. 
Although we're, 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 we are really wrapping up here, right? I see yes. time. So yeah, and this I noticed also with myself, this was my a realization that I had that my child would ask for help. <clears throat> can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And I had this, these voices in my head saying like, she needs to learn to do it for herself. You cannot do things for her all the time. Or sometimes I just wouldn't want to do it because I'd be, you know, and I would say like, no, do it yourself, you know? And what happened? How did I realize <laughs> My child started saying that to me. I would ask them for a favor. I would say like, oh my gosh, can you run and get that for me? No, do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, that's obnoxious. What, what, you know, what do you... Yeah, absolutely. And, and then I... Yeah. yeah. Well, and this is, that's that check too that I find that is so helpful of like, would I say this to an adult? So like if my husband came up to me and said, you know, like flopped down on the couch after a long day at work and said, oh man, I, I didn't even have time to eat today. You know, I was so busy. I didn't even have time to eat today. He's a professor. So sometimes he teaches back to back all day. And he said, would you get me a snack? I'm so hungry. Would you get me a snack? Or I'm so thirsty. I didn't even have time to drink water. I would never say, no, get it to yourself. You're a big boy. You can get it yourself. I would never say that to him. I would go get the water, you know? <laughs> right, right. But here's the thing that I realized about kids, though, and this is where I got stuck, is that with a, with a spouse, I don't have an obligation or uh, I don't worry about, you know, teaching them certain skills or, you know, making them responsible for themselves. So it's just a matter of kindness or if I'm able to. So if I'm not able to, I wish I could do that for you. I'm sorry, I can't right now. And that sometimes happens with my children. Sometimes I am able to, sometimes I'm not. So I'll say like, I'd love to do that for you, but I can't. But now the language that I use when I think it's actually necessary for them, or I think I want them to do it for themselves, I'll actually explain that. I'll say like, I would really love to do that for you, but I I believe it's important to do that for yourself because I want you to actually get used to doing it. Or, you know, like let's say when children put their plates in the garbage, I want them to remember to do that so that it doesn't become something right. So it's sort of like habitual. And so, and they hear that and they hear, they, it doesn't sound the same as like, no, do it yourself. There's yeah. kindness there. There's right. And there's, and there's like an assumption of like goodness in them, in, in it. There's an assumption of they, that they want to be a, a helpful member of the family, a contributing member of the family. There's the assumption that they can do these things. There's like that, you know, assuming the best is I think one of the most beautiful things you can bring into any relationship. And, you know, I mean, and there's, there's absolutely room for grace too in, in there. You know, there's, there's times where, man, I cannot face washing dishes at night after I've tucked kids in bed. I just can't do it. And I know I should because I know I feel better when the sink is empty, when I start the day. And there's times when I just cannot face it. And I give myself the grace of that, you know. And so Right. So why not give your yeah. child that grace sometimes? Absolutely. Not be rigid. Not be a stickler for things. Exactly. Yeah. And, and what's beautiful about that in my house, in giving that grace so often in my house, is that my two kids give it to each other. So, you know, one of their jobs is to take their plates and scrape it and put it in the dishwasher after a meal. Um, and oftentimes one of them will say, oh, I'm really tired. And the other one, without ask, being asked, without anything, says, oh, I'll do it for you. And they just grab it. Yes. And go and do it. My kids do the same. It's so beautiful. Yes, because I modeled that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so, yeah, I love that. I really, really love that. Well, I love this idea of ending on like a positive note of like that when we do really intentionally take a look at what we're modeling, then we get to see the fruits of that in our kids, you know, because because kids not only hold up a mirror for what where we have work, they can also hold up a mirror for where we're really doing a great job, too. Yes, 
right. My kids often will do things and literally tears will come to my eyes. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I have modeled that for so long. For so and now long. I see, and now I see. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to parent this way though, because it does sometimes take longer to see the results. Oh, it definitely. Oh, that's a whole conversation that I, I, I feel now that my oldest is 10, I, it's, it's, it's amazing to me because I've, I have so many thoughts on this about that. We don't have enough patience and that's why we, we intervene so much, mm-hmm. but if we would wait, the modeling is so much more when they absorb our modeling and then it comes from them. Oh, I can't, I'm so touched by it. The payoff, like the, how it feels it, <sighs> the other day, my, my daughter's teacher sent me a text message and there was, there's been some conflict in her classroom and um, she just sent a text message with a compliment and about how inclusive and kind my oldest is. And I told my daughter that her teacher said that. And she said, well, mommy, you know, I learned how to do that from you. And I was like, oh, my cry. Like, I was like, really? Oh my God, I'm doing something right. <laughs> you know, like, it was yeah. Something. yeah, there's something beautiful. I didn't realize your daughter, your child, daughter your daughter oldest, yeah is 10 yes I think that you know we probably have to have another conversation sometime about that kind of the middle childhood years I feel like we don't that age group isn't covered in respectful parenting nearly enough you know? really oh so this is good this has been a very important <laughs> conversation to have yeah yeah recently I've seen like posts oh my gosh I, like is your teenage, is your 10 year old an ass like mine is, you know, something like that. And I've been like, no, I love my 10 year old. I think she's awesome. Like, no, you're missing out. Can I show you, like, show you something else? I mean, you know, like, let me help you. Yeah. They all, I mean, and all kids have bad days, but that's a, that's, I mean, that's another double standard. We would never we want our kids to talk about people and pigeonhole them and and think think that they're all one thing or call people <laughs> names and then we go and we do it's there's lots of double standards. <laughs> oh, wait, <It's> we, so <laughs> when you said that, I actually thought you were going to say something else. I actually thought you were going to say the double standard is that you know we wouldn't want somebody to label us based on one bad day, right? Yeah. And we, I mean, we give ourselves so much grace to have, and then our children, it's like a few times they do something and we're like, they're such a, you know. Yeah, it's, oh my gosh, it's they're everywhere when you look for them. Okay, so folks who are listening, your homework today after this, the, the next thing you should do is to sit down tonight after the kids are tucked into bed and get out a, a notebook or a piece of paper and just write down, like, what are the double standards that I am finding in my relationship with my children where what are the things where i'm expecting them to show up differently than how i'm showing up what are the times where i'm treating them or talking to them in a way that i wouldn't like to be treated or talked to or that i wouldn't talk you know treat or talk to an adult who's with me so that's your homework dear listener (laughs) i love that i can use that homework too yeah let's do it i mean we can totally share that on our um on instagram and so if you do that homework i would love for you to tag us um i'm at laura frying phd and is it under conditional underscore parenting or is it just exactly yeah Mm -hmm. okay Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It was so much fun to kind of geek out about some of the more theoretical kind of aspects of this respectful parenting thing. Yes, it was so, so enjoyable for me too. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. All right, everybody have a good day and I'm counting on you to, I want to see your lists of double standards.
Oh, I would love to see that. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast and if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of, um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.